A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast, as I'm also joined by Mr. Jules Gill. Hello, everybody. And Mr. Josh Brown. Hello, everybody. Kind of in person for the first time in many years, as Mr. Jules was with me in real life, but we sadly had to resort to doing a remote podcast because Big Vid got in the way yet again. Josh Brown resigned to the remote call-in. Best you hate to see it. At this current moment, the cosmic timing of it is ridiculous. We put out the call. We put out the call for questions to be together (laughs) for the podcast, for the once-in-a-lifetime reuniting of the trio, the Uh, triple-headed Hydra, but unfortunately the beast was slain by the mighty vid, and then it was slain again when we tried to get all of our audio (laughs) synced up and working, but none of the bloody hardware wanted to work between three separate If anyone out there has any solution to how two good boys can sit in one place in real life and one remote good boy can beam in and they can work without a bunch of echo and whatever else going on then please let us know because we were so close uh, please so submit a CV to any aspiring audio engineers out there to <laughs> whatculture.com. I can pay you in rotten apple cores. Yes. It's, as long <laughs> it's as it came from deal. you, it's it's the extra secret source. But we did do a Q&A tweet. We thought we'd get through as many talking points as we can, kind of like UBP style. Um, so we had a massive response. Obviously, massive thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions and talking points and things. So we'll get through as many as we can. Um, first question is from Vin Van Meel, who says, all right, lads, explain your what culture gaming community poll for me, please. Now, this is the Assassin's Creed poll that we put out the other week, asking which was the best Assassin's Creed of the Ezio trilogy. And he says, for them, it's Assassin's Creed 2, and I'm not arguing. Also, give each other a COVID-friendly kiss, please. Now, I think this (laughs) has come in. I know, a nice, lovely little (laughs) lick. I think that um, some of the the result of this was Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and some of the response has been, no, the the actual best Assassin's Creed of the Ezio trilogy is AC2. Now, I do think it's Brotherhood, but I don't know where you guys are both on it. Yeah, why do you think it's Brotherhood though? What what makes Brotherhood better than two? Because two was such a significant leap from one. That's mm-hmm. what made it stick out in the mind of the public so much. Like, well, there's a lot of problems with that game. Don't get me wrong; mm-hmm. it's still clunky and junky in all the right places. But it is a phenomenal step up from Assassin's Creed One. Oh, do totally. But like, I just think like it's the the clues in the title. It's the it's the literal Brotherhood. It's the literal managing of the assassins. The L one thing you call them in, you can send them in to take dudes out. I think they like added the most over the top kills to Brotherhood. Like I know Assassin's Creed Three had. Them too and um, the brotherhood brought in the multi kills and i know they simplified the melee system but i just thought that i just loved the flow of brotherhood and i love the pace of the story mm-hmm. like it's it like literally starts where two ends and you just like go almost swore there you just effing go <laughs> and so i uh, i was always a big fan of brotherhood's overall pace it felt like the zenith of what they were doing with the Ezio stuff but um mr jb where'd you come down 
Yeah, I'm with you, man, and I'm not arguing either. It's Assassin's Creed Brotherhood <laughs> through and through, and I was so pleased when that poll, uh, Brotherhood, came out on top on mm. that poll, because I wasn't expecting it. I thought everyone would say Assassin's Creed 2, because of what you said there, Jules. You know, it was so revolutionary. It was such a step up from one. However, it, because it was such a step up, it also kind of falls and stumbles at a few areas. I think the pacing isn't as good as Brotherhood. And like Scott says, Brotherhood has the mechanics already sorted, the world sorted, the characters established, mm. and it's just kind of allowed to go. Assassin's Creed 2 was great, but Brotherhood is when all oh, that formula kind of peaks for me anyway. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Enough? I think, Jules, are you planting the flag where they see Assassin's Creed 2 to join Mr. Vin Van Neel? Well, only because of the fact that for me with Brotherhood, I enjoyed all of the features that you listed, Scott, mm. but I do think that it made the game slightly too easy for it to be long, that, yeah. the longevity suffered as a result. I felt that the gameplay was much smoother, don't get me wrong, like being able to call in like your assassin mates, just mm. be like, oh, give this guy a kick in, like steal his monster munch or whatever. Land on his like, shoulders. That's cool, but like mm. the overtly easy assassination uh, kills, all of the new gadgets that made things easier, it just felt like, you know that moment in Batman Arkham Origins when you get hold of the shot gloves? And suddenly yes. the game becomes like on easy mode because you're doing double the amount of damage, you're breaking through enemies' defenses. Mm -hmm. It felt like that amount of power was given to you and I did not find the game challenging as a result. Whereas AC2, admittedly, because there were some elements that weren't maybe programmed that well, <laughs> I was actually <laughs> struggling to be like, oh God, I'm going to get my ass kicked if I don't I'm sure like, it was in Brotherhood where they made it like a one-button fighting system. I'm sure you just, like, you hold a button to Eat keep doing the combo again, mate. Yeah, yeah, it was like <laughs> a full-on like, auto-combo thing. Um, next question from Elfar Oliver who says, do you crack your eggs on flat or on an edge? What in a <laughs> thing is... <laughs> They submitted three little questions, so we'll we'll do the rounds. Um, pre preferable egg cracking surface, Jules Gill. Listen, man, I'm on edge Listen, you asking me questions like that because what the hell? Who cracks <laughs> their, their eggs on an edge? You're literally asking for God to come down and put a yoke right on your well, I'm, I'm, Oh, no, Josh, you're looking at me like you're, you're, you're I'm, an well, That's cracker. what I'm going to say. I, I'm, 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 I've used an edge before. I mean, I mean, I'm applying, the assumption here is that it's where the edge meets the drop. It's not like just the flat. You've got to get like a little corner going. But I mean, Josh, thoughts? I understand the edge of a bowl, but like not on the edge of like, no, like the like a, of your table. Like, like, yeah, like a counter I, mad no. listen i'm like i'm no professional egg cracker man i'm getting <laughs> shell in every meal i ever make it's 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 horrific that said i will always garage. go i will always go for the edge because then you get like into it man you only need one <laughs> little knock on the edge and the edge cracks it open granted that has resulted in a lot of eggs on my kitchen floor. But like the saying <laughs> says, you've got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, my friend. You have well, to make some sacrifices. Yeah, but that, but yeah. that doesn't come with a caveat of like, you've got to break a few omelet, a few eggs on the edge to make an omelet. <laughs> <it>? like, <laughs> no, I think actually, sorry, I'm getting that wrong. Like the official saying is, you've got to break a few eggs that fall on Josh Brown's kitchen floor <laughs> to make an omelet, I think is the How official else are you going to make idiom. a crisp sandwich? It's, it's, it's yeah, a man who's, got, who's eaten enough shell to be counted as part of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he said, like, do you crack your eggs on flat or on an edge? And we went we went down the edge route. I'm like on I the mean, edge uh, of the bowl thing too. But who? how can yeah. you crack an, edge on, an egg on well, flat? 
People have touch it and s- take it back off again. Have you ever seen like mm. a you know like a cooking show? Like all the professional mm. chefs like do it one handed, knock it on the flat kitchen service, open yeah. it with their yeah. fingers. I need that dexterity in those little limbs, man. I just don't have it. There's uh, that's like when you uh, kiss the rail in Tony Hawk, and you just sort of you know, kiss the the floor and then crack the egg. Um, there's a very specific technique to it. Now, um, Elfa, oh sorry, Jules, you're doing a little it's, like, just just like open it up like a yoki maraca. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Enjoy that. <laughs> if uh, this podcast may, may or may not be called Yoki Morocco, but we'll see how we go. Um, next question from Elf. These are so Elfar Oliver submitted three little questions. One was the egg one. Second one is, um, what is your preferred alcoholic beverage regardless of situation? Now, funnily enough, me and Jules were talking about this last night. Jules stayed at my house last night. What was the beverage, Josh Brown, that we used to drink in the northeast of England <laughs> in a weather <laughs> Jules could not think of this. It was pound fifty. It was in an orange can, and it was really affordable. Jules swore by it. It was what he got over and over and over again and he was like it's the best thing ever because you can get 10 of them for 10 pound and whatever okay can you remember what that was as a slight disclaimer before we try and jog <laughs> uh josh's memory um it may have given me a bit of brain damage because i can't <laughs> remember it but it was like it was in like a tall thin can like you know those new redesigned coke cans it had it was called lion or tiger it had something on it and it was like one pound 25 or one pound 50 and it was super strong beer super strong like uh air i couldn't get away beer. with the taste at all 50 but... you're just there like nah there's nothing natural in here jules so like was, swore by it i'm sure it was, clearly we had them as well in a, it was painted Dude. In a, like, <laughs> This was like such an early kind of like my tenure at what culture thing. I remember like, you know, just starting and going to Weatherspoons with everyone. And like, this was the drink of choice. But like Jules said, <laughs> we drank so many that I think it has given us all collective amnesia because I don't think anyone can remember what that drink was called. Yet we I drank so many. I found it. I found, I found it. it. I, li- I literally just typed into Google while you were chatting, cheap Weatherspoons uh, craft <laughs> ale. And it is Bengali Tiger. Bengali. That was it. That was that it. Is- Lion or tiger. That is an absolute <laughs> blinder. If you've ever wanted to drink asbestos, that's it. <laughs> if, you, if you're drinking on a budget, get some Bengalis. Um, Jules, is that still your preferred alcoholic beverage, regardless of situation? Well, preferred is a very strong thing. I mean, like nece- <laughs> there was a necessity when I was living in uh, Gateshead, earning a meagre what culture wage and living in the uh, fine establishment. With your roof of falling in, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with my roof falling in, yeah, that was a great <laughs> laugh, wasn't it? Um, so I feel like that was uh, a different part of my life, and I enjoyed mm. that. It was like a raucous time to be alive. Nowadays, I'm a bit more—I wouldn't say refined, because that's a, <laughs> that's a lie. I've I've moved over to the um, the local places because you've got Moortown Brewery that's down the road from me in Cardiff, and mm. you've got um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Tiny Rebel Brewery as well. Okay. And the Tiny Rebel like uh, Hazy Days or Lazy Hazer. Fazy, gazy, zazer, it's it, whatever it is. It's that uh, there's there's a drink out there that's got some crazy names and they are delicious. Okay, yeah, big shout. Josh Brown preferred beverage. Um, any crap lager is always <laughs> fine anytime I'm at a pub or a house fight. That's always mm. good. But since probably about 2018, since I've, like Jules, tried to refine my tastes, I've moved on to uh, just kind of like IPAs. I really enjoy IPAs and two by two, especially, is a brand in a brewery mm. that I always kind of gravitate to. They've got a lot of nice two by two IPAs on tap in Newcastle and they mm. do really good cans as well. So that's, that's what I, 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 I like to tell people I like red wine uh, and that's true, but it's uh, in my heart of hearts, it's crap beer and IPAs and it always will be. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's two very distinct versions of Josh Brown. There's um, watching Twin Peaks with a fine bottle of Merlot <laughs> and then there's the out and out log man who is just going <laughs> crazy with the pints and the... Like, <laughs> 
It's a, it's just in a spirit animal. It's that's the duality. It. It's the duality of man, man. The duality that's of what man. It is. Speaking of the duality of man, I very much discovered stouts across lockdown. Now I'd had them before, but I and they're a divisive drink. Yeah. People do a noise that Jules just did, sucking the air through your teeth or whatever when it comes to stouts. Now I'm gonna make it even worse because my favorite is a peanut butter stout. Oh, and I, I know, I just I can't help it. I can't help if I've kissed the clouds and you guys haven't seen the light yet. But I I had a big fan of the peanut butter stout. Now I, I don't know. Um, the specific company that makes it, I think it's Neon Raptor. In fact, it is. Neon Raptor do a peanut butter stout, um, which I'm loving. Now, regardless of situation, I probably couldn't have it like in the morning, but I didn't, I don't know. It's either going to be that or it's going to be, yeah, yeah, it's going to be like European lager, like an Estrella or a, a San Miguel mm. or whatever, something like that. Um, you can't really go wrong. We should actually give out, a sh- uh, we should have really collaborated on this answer and done a bit of promotion here because we did actually have a run of our own ale, What Culture oh, yeah. Clickbait Thumbnail, which was Very done good. by Top Rope Brewery. I wrong. don't think you can buy it. You missed your chance. So that's on you. That's on you. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's maybe why we didn't mention it at all. But uh, that was, there's probably some of them in the office somewhere, just somewhere in this building that we can eventually unearth. I wouldn't be surprised, mate. I walked in mm. here. Like the people at home have no idea how, uh, what a disarray <laughs> the uh, the actual main What Culture what Powers no. is. Well, no, no, it's coming together. My, my question to uh, Phil was, why are there so many Star Wars co- collective busts behind you? And he just goes, they just keep sending them. <laughs> okay, cool. Fair enough. Right. We just have a bunch of them, yeah. <laughs> You're going to say something. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got, got completely lost by just the idea of thinking about all of those busts. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to say was, what was I going to say? What culture towers? Oh, yeah, I was going to say the last time, that was it. The last time I saw Michael Hamflet out, he smuggled a can of that top rope uh, what culture clickbait thumbnail can and we were drinking it inside a pub which is naughty naughty uh, like it was a great illicit substance and it was very delicious we were pouring it you know sharing it in our pint glasses it was very okay. good it was very very rascally I like the idea of someone recognizing you and then not only are you Josh Brown from what culture but you're drinking what culture's own beer because oh, gimmicks, man. On gimmicks man yeah you gotta Dude, live I remember one time coming straight aft out of work uh, when we were doing some chatty faces or something in the office a few years ago, and I had one of the old What Culture Gaming t-shirts on, oh, and I yeah. went straight to the cinema to see my friend, and he kind of looked at me and went, like, are you wearing your own merch out? And I had to go, <laughs> yeah, but I'll never do that again. I'll never do this again. You're this wearing the... your own face. To the, <laughs> yeah, to it might the as well have been. Yeah. Was, that, was that the uh, the choose your own fighter ones, by any chance, it that uh, Rich Hudson knocked up? Yes. Man, I'm looking, at, looking at that designs, t-shirt man. now, that is like um, uh, all of the other ones have been partitioned off for DLC down the line, it seems, <laughs> all the other faces. Big love to the exes. That's yes, big, yeah, big love to them. Also, that design was awesome. Final tiny question from Alpha Oliver. What's the most important thing you learned in school that wasn't from books survival <laughs> is my shout for this <laughs> how to get by in a, a mixed up social situation with people of all sorts of various aggressions and um whatever they're into so. yeah that's a tough one what did you learn at school that wasn't being taught i guess it was that uh in order to make friends it's definitely all about trying to meet people in the middle rather than uh, judging people immediately by their academic qualities. Because mm. I had lots of friends who were very, very gifted and some friends who were uh, like they struggled quite a lot with school. And mm. that in turn made a couple of them quite angry and want to like act out a lot. But I remember as a group, we all came together and were just like the kids who were doing well would actually help tutor the kids who weren't doing too well. And yeah, that was quite actually, a nice bonding yeah. moment between them. Like no, no, no one told like us to do that, but we actually set up like study clubs to help people get through because it wasn't nice to see your friends not do so well. 
That's cool. Yeah, I can have a little bit of that myself. Like, I think that um, I, I miss miss the mix of people that you only really get from like public school. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah. like it's it's very rare that you're going to get thrown into a situation like that again. Like, you might get a bit of it at your work, but even then, it's like filtered down to that particular career or your uh, job or whatever. Um, and like maybe like university is kind of like that, but even then, it's like a it's like a financial thing whether you can even go to university. So it's like, I, yeah, I kind of miss yeah. the variety of public school to that degree. Yeah, I would echo what you've both said there to be honest you've stolen mm. my answers and i Sorry. appreciate that so no 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 no, because they're, they're both in great answers <laughs> uh what i will say and add on to that is just the fact that um what, I, what you don't necessarily learn in school is that things are valuable even if they don't kind of like lead to you getting in a, a better employment prospect like i think mm. we have a real issue in this country right now under like the current government uh with kind of them trying to scrub out you know ways of learning and subjects that don't lead to you know better chances of employment and as a result you lose out on a lot of the arts you lose out on a lot of um kind of like the more social science part of education and it's like it's okay to just kind of like pursue what interests you like the end goal of education i don't think shouldn't just be to get a good paying job it should be Mm -hmm. to you know like enlighten you as a person find satisfaction in yourself and man as someone who chose the wrong subject at university in their first year because they thought they what they should be doing there is trying to get a better job and was miserable because of that and then Mm -hmm. eventually swapped subjects and did what i actually was interested in Mm -hmm. like that's the way it's gonna be like it there needs to be a balance between you know education for employment purposes and then education for the love of education you know yeah, yeah. man that's that's the thing i like i mentioned survivability i kind of meant in terms of like surviving like bullying and like you know building up a sense of self that can carry through and get you through life but i also think uh fostering your gut instinct comes from like those formative years as well and like you were saying about knowing what you want to pursue and knowing what's worth spending your time on and what is worth your time overall as an individual um trust your gut i've like I've rarely gone wrong when I've really just took, taken a moment, stepped away from something and just like really just asked myself, is this what I want to do? And then you kind of go with that. Um, and then um, that kind of can come from those early years. But my gut is telling me I need to crack eggs on slanted surfaces. <laughs> yeah, with, like with in, a Bengali, I don't so think... I don't... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the gut might be wrong sometimes. It depends <laughs> what you've put into it. Um, next question from Zach Hayworth, who says, in honor of Prey, which is an incredible movie, that's just me saying that, uh, which monster do you personally prefer, Predator or Alien? And who would you beat in a one-on-one... Sorry, no, who would you bet on in a one-on-one fight? Predator has always been my favorite, but I can't deny the Xenos are a worthy adversary. Now, I'm Predator 101. I'm Predator, Predator as the boy, Zeno is an annoying enemy in video games that leaves behind a poison pool, and I hate them. Jules, what do you think? However, we have to now make a distinction. Are we talking about the Predator that people know and love from the modern era, or as mm. you were telling me about the latest Prey uh, mm. film, where it is a uh, almost like a steampunk Predator who has it's a kind of like a, it's a feral old school Predator. I love yeah. that thing so much. Because if it's because if it's the older one, then they're mm. going to have really struggle against a more a xenomorph of the later films in the alien franchise because obviously they evolve and change and absorb oh, see, so many I... different other qualities and none mm. of them are bad like 
True. Not to um, give away the way prey goes, but I feel like the feral predator, like the, the fandom's just calling it the feral predator. I think that's okay. what it's credited as. Um, the feral predator's IQ is not as high as the predator in uh, Pred 1 or let's say like Pred 2. Um, mm-hmm. It's It falls into a lot of traps and stuff, I think, overall. And I think that I still think it can fight, though. I still would put money. If I was going to bet, I would bet the feral predator, the new one from the Prey movie, could take any xenomorph variant you can throw at it, whether it's a regular one, whether it's the queen, whether it's a Pred alien. I reckon it would take it. But doesn't it imp- depend on the environment? Because it's like, Possibly. if you're if it's on like a spaceship, like a really claustrophobic <laughs> environment, then the alien with its ability to slink through all of like the, uh, the air ducts to move around mm-hmm. pretty much unseen. And to obviously the dangers of having acid blood and full close combat mm-hmm. weaponry. And the, the tail and everything. That's, that's definitely in its favor because mm-hmm. the predator can obviously go invisible and use its heat signature stuff, but it's going to struggle to get the distance it needs for the majority of its weapons. Uh, Josh, what do you think? I am a xenomorph boy, right? All the way through. My favorite uh, movie monster, probably, if I had to just go on good feelings, which we've learned are incredibly unreliable. (laughs) However, I do think that the Predator wins in a fight because that guy is OP and the grass. Like, he's got too many tools. He can go invisible. Yeah, he's a grass. Yeah, he's a he's a he's the establishment. In the yeah, xenomorph no. is anti-establishment. Is what he's I'm going for himself. For, he's yeah. independent. The video aesthetic. He's cataloging all sorts of skulls and bones and ribs and whatever else he can get his hands on. He is, he is, and I think he wins. But I think he wins because you know, like he's got too many tools. He is overpowered. He needs a nerf, in my opinion. <laughs> I, can't, my, I, I mean, can't stand this slander. So the predator is the embodiment of the establishment, and the xenomorph <laughs> is the free-thinking spirit trying to get the, away. The xenomorph is the type of um, alien creature that posts up its latest kill on Instagram next to it with uh, with an assault <laughs> rifle and an American flag waving behind him. Xeno, that's, 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 that's what this guy is, isn't he? Josh, is uh, shaking. we're not getting into the politics here. I've done it. Mate. I've done it. <laughs> Xenomorph's leaning over the grave doing the peace symbol, whereas Predator's got his own business going on. He's do, he's on to the next not, thing. This this false narrative of the Predator is the nice guy. I'm not taking this. He's a bad this. guy. He's yes. a bad guy, baby. They've got the a both, of honor. The Xenomorphs have got anything. Nah, man. They're both bad dudes. They're both bad dudes, nah. in my opinion. Yeah, my but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have a pint with either either of them. You know, quite truthfully. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, the Xeno would just be like tongue in the pint from like outside. Oh, the what glass. a little pervert he is, man! What a little pervert. <laughs> He's like making eye contact with you, and then they just it extends real slowly into the drink, and then he winks. <laughs> um, also, um, yeah, they said which one do you bet on? Do you, either of, oh, go on. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I was just going to ask you boys, what would you rather lick? The Predator's mandibles (laughs) or the alien's second mouth? Well, the animal... Acid, saliva, blood stuff will kill you. So, like, I guess survivability-wise, it will be prepared. But yeah. unless it's only the blood that kills you, you know, we've seen the saliva melt stuff, haven't we, in the alien movies? I don't think so. I think it's just I the blood. Say it's, <laughs> most of its fluids are pretty acidic. I, either way, yeah. I'm going prepared. I would, I would, yeah. Make it, yeah, give me a little tooth, little oh. cheeky mandible. Let, um, whenever you I, I want none of that. I want none of anything. I pick the predator because it's slightly less gross, which is not really saying much. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a weird squid with a skeleton inside it. It's, yeah. just, it's just sort of there, floating. Um, next question from Ethan, who says, I just bought a 4K OLED TV this week for both my next-gen consoles. What are the best experiences for 4K so far? Halo 3 on Master Chief Collection looks absolutely phenomenal for a 2007 game. Now, I'm going to throw in... what I would have picked for, um, for my first game on a 4K. No, no, no. I mean, that, it's a very like not picking something like The Last of Us Two or something like that, which is obviously like one of the more graphically superior games going mm-hmm. on consoles at the moment. There is a lot of upscaling going on in the MCC, but I, yeah, I would get something that's more. I would look at something that's more tuned towards HDR. Like yeah, Naughty Dog stuff. My go-to for this, uh, which Josh has just got through, is the Ori series. Definitely Will of the oh, Wisps. Yeah. Um, just the color palette and that thing is unbelievable. Um, and there's so many. The new Call of Duties are really good if you can get your hands on them. Uh, Modern Warfare's opening level, I think. Um, it's nearly all at, at nighttime, only illuminated by little pockets of flames and stuff. Um, things that have that take advantage of black levels, I would steer into those things. Because yeah. we've been speaking about this a lot in the sense of having good graphics is secondary to having a great art style. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got great art direction, like Oberdin on a 4K TV mm. would look insanely. Cool. <laughs> if that thing was 4K, actually, that did get a 4K patch. I think that is 4K on PS5 yeah. and Series X. Yeah. Nice. Josh, what's your uh, what's your shouts? Yeah, I definitely echo Will of the Wisps just playing mm. that recently, man. That thing knocked my socks off on the 4K <laughs> HDR mode. You can get that in some crazy modes as well. It's like 6K super sampled, just like graphics, you know, <laughs> like abilities supercharged. Uh, but yeah, I, again, I would also recommend, um, what would I recommend? Horizon Forbidden West from this year looks insane. Yes. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 on Xbox looks, you know, just astonishing as well. There's a lot of cool Game Pass stuff. If you do have Game Pass that I would just recommend dipping into a lot of the Xbox first party stuff is really well calibrated and for as much as I don't necessarily rate it as a game Ratchet and Clark Ratchet and Clark Ratchet and Clank (laughs) Ratchet and Clark that's I mean, that's, yeah, the yeah. Version, yeah. <laughs> that is, that's the knockoff kind of like asylum <laughs> movie version uh, yeah, Randy and like... Clank <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, um... that game oh, is, sorry, uh, no I was just saying it, it looks looks unreal and the things yes. it does with the SSD especially you know going from the different locations just makes the colours pop mm. and whatnot. 
Insomniac um, and Naughty Dog are like two of the big like pillars of like new gen. Oh my godness! I feel like they nail that Spider Man, Miles Morales, whatever. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I'm just thinking of like black level stuff, things with really impressive like contrast and depth to the image that you kind of get an OLED really like sells. Um, Trek to Yomi, for as much as the combat's a little bit ropey or a bit of an acquired taste for some people, um, that game's framing and like just the way that it shoots action and fills the frame out, I would recommend that too. That's on Game Pass. Um, if you want something else. I would also just like to chuck in uh, Vanquish because obviously it got that uh, PS4, PS5 update, um, mm-hmm. which when you consider that they had to animate every single bullet when you go into the slow motion sections on a massive TV that is completely upscale looking great, that probably would be quite something to, to behold. Vanquish is a, just a gorgeous game. Mm. That thing is so overloaded. I'm glad they did do the remaster bundle with Bayonetta, like just in yes. terms of like get this in front of people again. Um, like it deserves the love. Um, next question from Little Murder Bears, who says, glad to hear that we're doing an in-person podcast. Well, so are we, but we're doing what we can. Um, did you all love Prey? Yes. And reckon <laughs> they can do the same. <laughs> do you reckon they can do the same uh, treatment to revitalize the Alien and Terminator franchises? Also, when do we think we'll see some Elden Ring DLC? Um, Jules, you've not seen Prey yet. Mr. Josh, thoughts on the old Prey? Yeah. Um, I like Prey. I think it's a good movie. I think it's just, <laughs> I have no other thoughts on it other than that CG fact was that perfect. it is Don't worry a good it. movie. Yeah, I recommend it to people. Yep. Animals are perfect. It's, it's not for me, but I'll move on and get on to the second part of that question. <laughs> um, I don't want to see another Terminator film for as long as I am alive. Like <laughs> I think they have had enough chances and some of the sequels have been okay, but man, like you just got to admit that time's up some, yep. at some point, you know, just stop trying. You, you keep pushing this thing, especially if they keep going down the route of, you know, needing Arnold in those movies because yeah. you need to stick to a certain continuity. And I think at this point with so many movies and so many bad sequels, it's just too much baggage. Maybe mm-hmm. if they do like a reboot or maybe do something completely different, then it might work. I think Alien as well. For me, I actually quite like the Ridley Scott madness behind the most recent Alien oh, movies. I, I don't think Prometheus or Covenant are great. But I do like that, you know, he's at least trying something and there's a lot of cool ideas in there. Mm. And I would actually kind of prefer that to a back to basics, just alien romp for as much as I am looking forward to the uh, I think they're doing a TV show on Disney Plus and with Noah Hawley, maybe. Anyway, they're doing it. Yeah, something like that. So I'd, I'd look forward to that in television form more than movie form in the prey style. My thing with um, like that, like the Ridley Scott's direction is like, didn't he just, wasn't the Neil Blomkamp stuff going to go ahead? And then he was like, I'm not letting that happen. I'll do it myself. And then he did his version. But it's like Prometheus, I wasn't a fan of that anyway. But like, like all that weird philosophical stuff, there's not enough depth there for me. And he keeps trying to do all these weighty conversations that don't have anything to say. Mm. And then um, with Covenant, for me, it was like, it was only really an alien movie at the end. So I'm like, if you're going to do alien stuff, for me, I do want that one-on-one stuff. You have to evolve it within itself, like alien to aliens. But like, we dropped off so much from three, onwards that i don't know if you just try and get it back to that um i would take that praise for me is phenomenal because it remembers what make predator great like you take an established genre movie like a big action hunk movie and just drop a predator into it so i'm mm-hmm. like if you do alien future I don't, like you're trying to get back to the guts of like terminator stuff it's like fear of the future fear of technology like if you try and make that work um so i don't know i think prey might be a one-off but like it does tease a sequel at the end of the credits so it seems like they're maybe going to do something like that but i also agree that terminator is exhausted i don't know if jules if you want more terminator in your life but the thing is is that like i don't even know where you would go to do terminator mm-hmm. right now because um 
Do you do it without Arnie? That's the big thing. I'd like yeah. Terminator Salvation for as yeah. much as it's all over the place. I feel like we have to get rid of any sort of like uh, massive war conflict. It just needs to go back to basics. It's one character, two characters, and then it's the Terminator. That's it. Mm. That's your entire cast of uh, of crew there. Because as soon as you start in adding resistance fighting all of the like uh flash forwards to the future like battles and sci-fi stuff it just drains the energy out of what it should be which is effectively it follows but with arnie as the uh the mm. creepy sex demon <laughs> if you sort of like take it all the way back to basics where it's just a bunch of people trying to survive against a terminator in a confined space yeah then maybe that lets you sort of like, sell the abilities of the terminator again there was um uh, i can't remember what it was so there was like a script um or a proof of concept thing that like dropped like years ago to do with alien i know we're jumping mm. from terminus back to alien mm. um which was uh, sounded really decent it was just uh the ship has crashed or a ship has crashed there was an alien on board the only survivor is the pilot the only other uh, surviving thing is the alien and it's them basically working okay. for the rubble so that he can collect parts to build a ship to get back off okay. the planet that's, that's it cool. there's, there's nothing else to it i would take like one a way person not speaking just literally always in like running from this monster <laughs> that's trying to capture him and as he like collects and salvages parts that to me sounds like a really intense film yeah anything that takes things back to basics i love like one location stuff as well like if you did like a, a really stripped down movie like that i would take something like that I th again i think that's why prey works so well um but yeah well, in terms of um elden ring dlc yeah i think that yeah. we'll be getting some big um, I know that the prevailing theory is that it'll be, um, I think it's set in space or something. There's a whole thing in the lore about like looking to the stars and um, some- Going to the moon, mate. Going to the moon, some weird eldritch horror style thing residing in the stars that like various pieces of lore point to. And so I don't know if that would and be the- as, as it descends, it opens its hand and inside you think, what is it? Is it like an umbilical cord? Something weird like that again? It's like, no, it's a copy of Bloodborne, Bloodborne 2. Hey! And it goes, Bloodborne 2. The people who beat the DLC can get the patch for Bloodborne. That's how they- uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, there needs to be a gimmick like that. You know, remember when um, Xbox were doing their Xbox rewards program where you could get like a new avatar or a wallpaper? Mm -hmm. Do that where you, if you beat a game, you get the patch for it to <laughs> fix it. Rate. Yeah. Like you should do the I don't know, like I mean the, the Bloodborne argument for the next gen thing is is exhausted at this point, but it is dumb that we they don't just haven't just done that in between. Like you have all this money, all this time from Elden Ring, you might as well just do a Bloodborne patch. I know there was that whole thing with Miyazaki saying their next game was ready. So it's like that's mm coming soon too um but what do you guys want to see from elden ring dlc i guess we start with uh, mr josh mm -hmm. um to be honest like i don't know and that's why it's exciting because they mm. covered so much ground within elden ring itself they covered so many different biomes so many different types of bosses that i don't know if we leave kind of like the lens between uh behind and go somewhere mad like space this kind of eldritch horror dimension like i will love that of course as a fan of bloodborne uh, but what is the and please refresh me on my elden ring law mm. you know where you go to moog's kind of like domain his hellscape mm. and he's kind of protecting the cracked egg which yep. has been the theme of this entire podcast yeah. and you get the arm kind <laughs> of hanging out of it yes uh, and there's a character in there i forget who they are oh my god but, it begins with them yeah i do yeah every every uh, name oh, in yeah. this just call him mo for them yeah I just I know there's a, there's something related to that character inside Nicola. that egg that I want to know Nicola. more about Nicola. Yeah, more about Nicola. Maybe there's some stuff in that game that I missed, but I want to know more about what was going on there. And I feel like that feels like a natural kind of. In fact, I think I saw on the Reddit someone saying that the DLC might start by going up to that hand and maybe activating it, and then you get uh, to spot yeah. somewhere, which could See, be really sick. 
In, um, I forget the name of the location in Elden Ring, but the bit where you, the guy lies down and you go back into the past and you fight that giant dragon, whose name I'm, is it Parthenax? Am I thinking, is that yes. from Skyrim? Yes. Yeah, Parthenax. Oh, yeah. Is it Parthenax? Yeah. It is, isn't it? Parthenax is, is Skyrim, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I don't know, Ald Alduin. Ald Alduin is... Uh... Alduin is also Skyrim. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, anyway. just say names. The people know what we're talking about. You know about. what I mean? It's a, it's a big dragon. In the words of Forspoken, it's a big freaking dragon. So you fight a big old dragon in that... Uh... <laughs> when they're not, what are you going to do next? Fly? Oh, yeah, Josh hasn't thing. seen this meme. I, I take oh, it from the look at his face. Forspoken is, is doing um, uh, the trailers by numbers. So you've got like, I want this game to be good because I really feel like there's like a, a story well. to be told from a different perspective. And the graphics look great and the gameplay looks great, but the marketing is abysmal <laughs> Zuma-esque territory where it's just right. kind of like, whoa, I'm speaking to a duck in cuff. I'm fighting freaking dragons. Those are literal quotes from the trailer. Literally, let me get this straight. I'm in a place that isn't like earth and i could do all this stuff like oh my god mate anyway like, i'm um, ripping the arms off of my armchair because of how much i'm cringing from like please <laughs> stop doing this it's just it's the, to very quickly address that it's doubly insane that they hired amy hennig of uncharted and legacy of kane fame and gary widder of star wars rogue one fame and they twisted studio the hell out of that script to make it that watered down like it's yeah. just that's that's a crime to me anyway Elden Ring's thing with the dragon yeah, bit. Um, you get to go back in time when you fight the dragon um, X many years ago. I kind of take that as a tease of like, oh, we can just do time stuff. Yeah. Like there was that whole thing about the reign of the dragon king. Um, and like maybe you go back to that time, you do a whole chunk of land that lets you explore that reign back when that dude was in charge, that double-headed dragon or three-headed dragon or whatever it is. Um, I like the idea of that, like the sort of the dragon lords and how did they run the place and what mm -hmm. mythology, what pieces of lore um, can you find that factor into that. Um, but anyway, um, next question from Luke Cullen who says, Hey Legends, if you could use three games to describe your personality, what would you use? Also, have any of you listened to Mac Miller? Now, Mr. Josh Brown, you've mentioned Mac Miller. Bloody love Mac Miller. Yes, Mac oh, yeah. Miller. I was put on to uh, from a recommendation from Adam Nicholas. Uh, yes, and uh, yes, actually, uh, uh, getting more into Mac Miller. You know, I think there was a, a, a release um, of like a very old mixtape that he did in 2011 that has recently come out that was very, mm -hmm. that went down a treat the other okay. day. So, yes, I would definitely recommend it's, that. It's always strange when obviously artists meet. Uh, the tragedy that he obviously suffered there yeah. and then they have so much music come out after their passing because yeah. it's like it's so good some of the stuff that comes out afterwards that you're just like only reminded about how sad it is that they're not here anymore mm. totally it's like you know you get all of those posthumous releases and it's like just incredibly incredibly bittersweet but you know it, it, i think there's a good legacy that was left behind there yeah. yeah, check case, this dude you know? out. The, uh, well, i don't have any reference points for mac miller but I, I would say yeah. as a jumping in point uh it's is it watching movies with the sound off that's the album that got me into uh mac oh. miller and i just love the flow between it it's so there's a lot of experimental stuff going on there which is great uh, and there's cool. things that came out in it must have been like 2012 2011 something like that like it's a long it's quite an old album mm -hmm. by today's yeah. standards but it's still a lot of fresh sounds on it which is good i will I say as well uh oh sorry i just want to kind of shout out circles because that was like you know a 2020 release and that was like that was one of the albums that sort of helped me through that year you know what i mean that was kind of like on repeat quite a lot so I would well, definitely shout that out as well. That sounds lush. I was going to say I made you a Rage Against the Machine playlist to get you into Rage. <laughs> I might get a Mac Miller playlist on the yeah. go. Between I'll the tell you what days. we need to get Scott to listen to is the um, Tiny Desk live concert with him. Yes. Absolutely stunning. Uh, do you do you watch the Tiny Desk stuff? Uh, from I, I, occasionally. I, that's, the like a version stuff is cool too. 
I genuinely think that it's one of the best things. Like on YouTube at the moment, it's just having uh, celebrity artists come in and record in this, like it sounds, a tiny desk studio <laughs> doing a live set, but they just do stripped back versions of their songs and they are usually brilliant. I'm sure there's a spirit box one of them, just cram them all into a tiny room. That's such a good way to like get introduced to an uh, to an artist. I remember uh, watching the Tyler the Creator one, the, the his tiny desk uh, performance. It is kind of like just such a cool, uh, well, such a cool performance, and it's got such great kind of like background set design. Even though it's obviously in the same tiny desk studio that yeah. everyone else is in. Yeah, mm. didn't didn't Thundercat? Wasn't he playing bass on his um, in that set? And that was how I, a lot of people actually came to know him. That could be true. I haven't I'm watched it in a while. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I'm just going off of memory here, but I'm, I know that he appeared in the background as one of their bassists and just played this amazing riff and everyone was like, sorry, what? Like, what is <laughs> going on here? That Thundercat song for the longest time, I didn't know what that was. That like, bound, bound, oh, yeah, big yeah, fat yeah. song. I love that thing. And he recently realized that was Thundercat and was like, oh, okay, that, that's that dude that people mention every now and then. He's on um, the, uh, the new Gorillaz track as well. And like, uh, honestly, it's an absolute bop. I love it. I love the fact that Gorillaz have been around since what the... Uh, early 90s and are yeah. still kicking out tunes that are, I would argue are relevant to the mainstream today. Mm -hmm. Good guys. They learn all the best lessons from, I mean, the dude, it's um, Damon Albarn, like Albarn yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, he's, yeah. Like he's learned all the best lessons from music over the years. Um, three games. Like anyway, sorry. Yeah. Two no, no, sorry. Uh, three games to describe your personality jewels. Oh man. Like uh, that, that's, that is incredibly <laughs> hard. So I'm going to go with Vib Ribbon mm -hmm. um, because I am oh. a little bit crazy and I like weird music. Ciao. Um, I would go with... You make funny noises every now and then. I do make funny noises occasionally. I would go with Red Dead Revolver because I like arcade silliness and over-the-top <laughs> multiplayer action. Plus, there's a guy called Pig Josh in it who's uh, fat and uses dynamite, and that's hilarious. Um, and one more final game to sum up my personality. Oh, XCOM Dead or Alive. I was going to say... No, no, no XCOM Dead or Alive. Well, I've just mixed up the, the two things there. <laughs> I was going to say either XCOM or Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball for a, for a joke. <laughs> Good, yes, that'll round you out in more ways than one. Josh, what are your personality games? I want to go Bloodborne, um, Fallout New Vegas, and I had another one, and I've just completely forgotten it, so that's not very good. I've only got Marvel two Avengers. now. Uh, yeah, Marvel, Marvel's The Avengers. Um, no, what the hell was the other one? I just had it in my mind. It doesn't matter. I want to okay. go for those two for right now and try to remember the third. I'm going to leave it open to interpretation. Anyone okay. can take from that what they want to take from <laughs> those two games. Planning for a future slot. Um, I'm going Metal Gear Solid uh, 4 yeah. because it's the most over-the-top, narrative, ridiculous, absolute bollocky game. It's full-on Kojima. I love, I love a convoluted plot. Give me a big, stupid, over-the-top thing full of clones and this character's not dead and this person's a brother of an AI or whatever. I love all that stupid crap. Give me that. Um, Hotline Miami, nice, twitchy, super fast thing synthwave music it's an absolute jam um, and probably the original dark souls after that because i do love a challenge uh, in a game if it's like meted out properly and i know that parts of dark souls are just a dick but they're they're overcomable they're surmountable and um, you learn so much in that game and i love that meta textual thing of like you're learning as a player as your character is learning um so i'd go for those three there's plenty more um but i'd go with them can i go back because i do remember yes. what my last one was so it was bloodborne fallout new vegas and metal gear solid 2 Ah, there he Metal is. Metal Gear Solid 2. 
Mm-hmm. Especially Very for the, nice. the game's ending, for how absolutely wanky all the philosophical conversations are, and yet yeah. we love them because yeah. you yeah. want them any other way. Give me a twenty-minute conversation <laughs> on the totally. state of life. Um, yes, actually, going to wrap the podcast now because Mr. Andy Murray wants yeah. to get in for his wrestling one, so we're gonna we're gonna shift <laughs> out the way um, for that thing. But a massive, massive thank you to everybody for sending in their questions. A massive thank you for Mr. Jules for traveling five hours in a train to get up here. It's um, six, six hours place. fifty, but who's counting, mate? Well, that wasn't <laughs> me clearly. So as long as you got up here, it's good. And a massive thank you to Josh Brown for beaming in and surviving as best he can back at home as well. Next time, fellas, we will be able to do this on, <laughs> on air in person. And I won't jinx it this time. I, I, won't I, put it out. I know. I did, when I did the tweet, um, when I finally put it out, I was like, this feels too good to be true. And I was like, no, no, it'll be fine. It's post-pandemic. It'll be fine. We'll get there, though. We will take the most glorious photo of all three of us someday. Um, but yes, for now, massive thank you to everybody. Thank you very much for listening. I've been your host, Scott Tilford. I've been joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much for having me. And Josh Brown. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.